The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, happy NFL Divisional Playoff Sunday to you guys. I spent my Sunday watching the Jazz defeat the Wizards, so 127-116. John, you saw the Skyhawks. Is that the that's the Erie Skyhawks? No, no. The um so it is the College Park Skyhawks, a new G League team. Um Atlanta's team was in Erie and now they are in uh they're in College Park, which is basically uh, one stop on the rental car shuttle from Atlanta Airport. <laughs> well, good. Because, I mean, there's really, if you had to drive any further than that to see 21 turnovers in 30 minutes, uh, you yep. might be a little upset. By the winning team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they used to be in Erie, right? I at least had that part right. So they're actually still in Erie. They're just now affiliated with the Pelicans instead of the instead of the Hawks. And the uh, I I forget how the transaction was done or whatever. But the Hawks have their own team now that plays in College yeah. Park. It's a really nice arena, actually. Like it's probably the nicest arena in the G League. Um, you know, it's all brand new and stuff. But um, yeah, there, there was. Uh, I don't have incredible things to say from the actual game. I didn't really see any NBA players on the court today. Yeah, well, so let's talk about maybe some future NBA players. And sure. Joke as we might, you put the work in to go and see uh, all these guys, scour the bushes, uh, as it were. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little draft. I Full disclosure here, I generally do not have much time to dig into the draft uh, because I don't know, do I just like, I must just sleep more than you, huh? Is that, is that what my problem is? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think you do more live shows and stuff than I do. I think, I okay. think that's what it is. You do more podcasts well, than I do. That's what, that's what you're using all your time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that's true. But I also, I don't write like writing actually takes up a ton of time too. Right. <laughs> so I, I, maybe, maybe I'm just being lazy. You're, you're going to have to, maybe I, I should be doing more, more college stuff but uh so anyway i don't get a chance to watch a ton of film i usually lock in on the top 10 or so prospects once uh the first two rounds of the playoffs or done for draft purposes but you obviously have been following these guys even well before this year uh, when you're with memphis uh, now you're you're keeping up with that as much as you can so we're going to talk draft today and i will just uh, ask you some of the questions that i actually don't know the answers to because I, I haven't seen as many of these guys, but obviously I'm very curious to know how they fit into the NBA game. So let's start with this. 
who do you see and we'll do it here in your own mind right now just your mm-hmm. opinions rather than just you know kind of what are you hearing what is the consensus but in your mind who would you be considering for the number one pick in the draft this year Man, and this is a t- so. Let's start at the really high level. <laughs> you're, this- you're like, t- could I do the number four pick instead? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is not seen as a strong draft, particularly at the top. Um, this is more like the year when you know Andrew Bogut say was the number one pick, or um, uh, I can't even remember his name, a- Anthony Bennett. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, rather than there's no Anthony Davis, there's no Zion in this draft. I don't even know if there's a John Morant in this draft. And so uh, I think a lot of decision makers are really scratching their heads. I think there are five or six players who are still at least somewhat in the mix as people do their work. And I think the I have to watch this guy more because he's uh, been playing overseas, but you know, I think I think there's a case to be made for LaMelo Ball just because none of the other guys who are theoretically in the running have distinguished themselves. He's been pretty good down there and pretty good in a way that you hope would translate in terms of being like a high-level playmaker who can create shots for people. And his biggest weakness is shooting and physical strength, which are two of the things that are at least plausibly improvable upon. Do you think his shot would need to be reworked to be viable at the NBA level? I think that's certainly a possibility, yeah. I, uh, you know, even, even you know, Neurons has done st- some stuff with Lonzo and just even, ju- just even making it, you know, you don't have to turn the guy into Ray Allen, but if you can just make him a threat from out there, that opens up so much of his game, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so... I mean, just real quickly, 30 seconds, like strengths and weaknesses on him as of now. Yeah, I think I think obviously the, the ability to uh, handle the ball and uh, distribute is the thing that attracts teams the most. Um, I think the I think there's going to be some questions and some research into, into the background on him. Does he care about playing defense? Is he you know, there's the whole sideshow with LeVar and everything that happened in Lithuania. People are going to do their digging on that. But at the end of the day, it's a talent league, and I I think he's probably if you're making if you're making that that list right now, probably the most talented guy. Um, certainly the say 18, 19 year olds, and I, I think that there's a good chance that ends up winning the day. Yeah, and, and I mean from what little I've seen, the vision does seem to be pretty special there, and that's really like the the bread and butter skill as you see it for him. Yeah, and uh, that you know, this is January, and we reserve the right to change our minds, obviously. But I, 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 I do think like the the just the ability to create shots and create shots for other people is so important in this league, and he ha- he has that. Where would you put him in comparison to some of the other guys who've been drafted at the point guard position in these last few years, as as we viewed them as prospects coming in? Right. I mean. I, you know, certainly I wouldn't put him on, on John Morant's level. You know, is he on Lonzo's level? I mean, people are pretty excited about Lonzo. They I think were. people thought, people felt pretty strongly that he was the number two guy in that draft or number three at worst. And there weren't as many of the reservations about the rest of the class as there was with this one. And so I, I wouldn't say he's quite on that level. I'm trying to think who are some of the other guys, you know, 
Yeah, Darren Fox, Trey Young, Dennis Smith was probably a little bit below those guys in terms of perception. Um, yeah, I'd, you know, Darius Garland, De'Aaron Fox, maybe Fox might be a good one. Yeah. People still had some questions about Fox when he came out, but they generally liked him and he, he went for. I'm going to be trying when I get down to evaluate him to just avoid making the comparisons between him and his brother. Like that's good to just try to not let that come in. And, and it's hard because they both have this funky shooting form. They both love taking these deep threes. They both, you know, they're raised by, by the same man with the same kind of philosophy. Yeah. So it's hard to avoid that getting in there. And um, they look like each other, obviously. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So similar size. So probably, probably pretty similar athleticism. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. As, as near as I can tell, like I, I got to dig into some, some more of that, uh, that Australian tape. Um, all right, so you would you have him above anyone else as of right now, or, or are there others that would be in the mix for you at this point in time? Boy, I you know, everyone you try to talk yourself into being in the mix at number one, just there, there's just so many question marks and, and failures at the NCAA level, I guess. I mean, when you look at Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, Cole Anthony, I just don't see how you can talk yourself into those guys. There's some good Euros who I think are probably late lottery guys. I don't, I don't think you talk yourself into any of them at number one. Um, you know, RJ Hampton is playing in the same league and hasn't been nearly as dynamic. I don't, I don't see how he leapfrogs ball. So it's a, it's a hard sell. I mean, Edwards is the guy who's probably put out there more as the number one pick just because of his physical tools. But watching him actually play, man, there's some there's some troubling stuff there. Yeah, well, I, from what I understand, I didn't see the game, but you were there yesterday. Uh, he so uh, I I wasn't there. I wasn't there for the Auburn game, but I was for the previous game against Kentucky. Ah, okay. I, I watched the Auburn game, but I was not there. Um. So, I, are when you say the physical tools, what are those? Like, what's what is the thing that gets you in, into him as a prospect to begin with before you kind of then get disappointed by the other stuff, I guess. Um, he's built like a tank. He can jump. Um, he's can make very quick moves uh, to get into his jump shot. Uh, gets very good elevation on his jump shot. Can seemingly get it off anytime he wants. Um, and when he when he does put the ball on the floor and, and drive, I think he you know is able to, in a, in a straight line, get where he's going very quickly. So I, there's there's a lot to build off there, and you can sort of talk yourself into him being Mitch Richmond from there. Um, jump shot looks good, or is there is it going to need it's, some refinement? Okay, it's yeah. um, you know he's he's hasn't been a good foul shooter. His form actually looks a little different on his foul shot than it does on his off the dribble jump shot. It's more of a catapult. It looks like on the <laughs> on the jump shot off the dribble. You know when a guy shoots off the shoulder and gets you know it gets a little more arc on it, and then yeah. he's kind of straight out in front of his forehead when he's um, when he's at the free throw line or even on some of his catch and shoots. So um, and and you watch him even in warm ups. It looks it looks okay, but it doesn't doesn't go in as much as you would think. Uh, yeah. so I, you know, and there's, there's stuff there when you talk to people where they'll say, well, he hasn't played that long. Uh, he was mainly playing football apparently, um, and doesn't have as nearly as much kind of high level experience as some of the other, 
18-year-olds that come into the NCAA now in terms of these high-level AAU competitions and whatnot. And so that he's, he's, on, he's on a different spot on the curve than some of these other guys have been when they came in. Um, and I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll buy that to an extent, but so like his instincts for the game are really bad right now. I don't know how else to put it. Like just in terms of just having a nose for the ball and instincts and, and uh, defensively is just awful. And he, sh- he shouldn't be awful, right? Like with his physical tools, he should at least be okay. And, uh, and right now he's not. So I think there's a lot of concerns there. I think, you know, if you are picking him, you're you're picking him as like for four and five. It's weird to see like a a, a two guard who's a you know if he makes it is going to be like a th- three point shooting slash scoring weapon as as a project, but he he kind of is in some ways. There's a lot of things he has to get better at. See, so play hard. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd 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 go more toward no on that. Like, is there's. There's just so many points where he's where he's disengaged, and I think again, I say, I say instincts for the game. Like his maybe it's maybe that's more like his motor. Maybe his motor just doesn't run hot enough. Um, but he just you don't see him moving without the ball that much, and and you don't you don't see him d- defensively. Like he'll kind of jog back a lot of times. Like it's it's kind of troubling. Yeah, I, I mean, is there anyone that you would compare him to? I know this is kind of a kind of a dangerous game for, for those, just kind of more from a style standpoint of those. Uh, I mean, I brought I brought up Mitch Richmond because yeah. he's um, kind of got this great body for a two guard and uh, is a jump shooter and is probably going to make his living that way. You wish he'd put it on the floor and drive more because I think he can be really effective when he just puts his head down and go to the rim just because he's so powerful um had even in the auburn game where he wasn't very good overall had a really nice left-handed uh drive and finish but yeah yeah, you just want to see him do that more and he just he kind of settles a lot for the for the one dribble jump shot all right we'll take a quick break here and then we talk a little james wiseman plus we also want to hit on the players in this draft that john is higher or lower on than the consensus where we or at least he sees uh, the log jam in the mid-lottery at point guard shaping out a lot of other stuff to get to in just a sec here. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't have the absolute highest level of motivation when it comes to fitness. I've been working out for like 20 years now. I've been doing a lot of the same things to exercise. It gets a little old. So that's where the connected fitness revolution comes in. And Echelon is the best product that I know. Their EX1 connected fitness bikes offer a high quality at-home cycling experience for less than half the price of a Peloton. You do not have to pay a ton for a Peloton. Echelon bikes are under $1,000 and they've got this limited time free Apple iPad offer. Their bikes can be used with your smart device that's part of what that iPad is for. Or they also offer them with a, a built-in screen. They've got 24-7 live and on-demand classes. This is just such a high-quality bike. It's not like those ones at the gym. I think they're called like recombinant bikes or something where you just sit there. There's no variation in the effort level. These ones, you can really get out of the saddle, push yourself, uh, and these awesome classes 
can get you to do that. Whether you're a busy parent, you're a first responder, elite athlete, whatever your activity level is, Echelon is right for you. And if you aren't 100% satisfied, they'll even give you your money back. Go to Echelon, E-C-H-E-L-O-N, as in upper echelon, echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A for Locked.NBA, echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. You can learn about that limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of their exclusive offer, Echelon, it's your time. As I mentioned with John, divisional playoff weekend. If you're the type of fan that knows football, that you think you can choose any game and call it, my bookie is the place for you. They let you turn your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet with the promo code locked on NBA. You will get half deposit matching. So you deposit two grand, you get an extra thousand dollars in free money to play with. That's mybookie.ag. At mybookie.ag, no one gives you more ways to win. You can get in on the action, enjoy the games in a totally new way. If you like to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay, betting multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Just don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDONNBA to let them know that you came from us, number one. And number two, to get that halfway deposit matching. MyBookie.ag is the URL. Once again, MyBookie.ag, promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You play, you win, you get paid. James Wiseman, I did get a chance to see a fair amount of him at the Nike Hoop Summit last year so i'd be interested in your thoughts because nba personnel were not allowed into those practices that you went to yeah no that's true i mean so for those who don't know the way the nike hoops don't works if you're on the world team which you know hilariously the world team is made up of like mostly guys who went to high school in the u.s at this point like nico Mannion was on that team like the canadian guys are on that team a totally artificial distinction, but NBA personnel are allowed in to see all of those practices. But if you're on the USA basketball team, they're only allowed in for this one scrimmage against the Portland Generals. Uh, shout out, shout out, Marshall Cho do, doing a nice job for putting together that team every year. But and, the, and that team usually has some talent, like Jaden McDaniel has played on that in a couple of years. Steve Blake, uh, Pey- Peyton Pritchard as a high schooler played two years in the, a row. They actually retired his jersey. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, for that team, the, the first ever. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but there's also just kind of some guys who like went to college in the area and are around, or guys who go to like Portland State or whatever. But anyway, that's uh, that's too inside uh, inside basketball, not inside baseball. But to me, I, I thought that he does have some game changing defensive tools uh, that he can move his feet pretty well and guard guys. I thought uh, in some of those scrimmages, he did a really nice job staying with Jaden McDaniels, for example. He's not the fastest guy with the ball in his hands, but you know, I think if you want to say, could he switch out onto some bigger wings at times? I think he could do that. Um, he came across the lane for some blocks. He was uh, covering some ground pretty well on his shot blocks, I thought. And certainly from what people told me about him, you know, that was at times the better best that he looked defensively where he was really playing a little bit harder and so i think he does have that ability am i going to say it it will happen for sure i can't get to that point you know if you're going to compare him to like where rudy gobert was at the same age you know he's not at that level to me uh but and i guess i saw gobert for the first time when he was maybe 20 instead of 18 but so so that that was one thing i i think he has the ability to do that but from some of the things that you hear about his makeup, you know, I'm not sure that he gets it. But I think it's physically, I believe he has what you would want 
to be a game changer defensively at that position. What do you yeah. think? So what, you see him go through the layup line once and you're like, okay, he's in my top 15, right? <laughs> right? Like just right. off of that. I, I mean, it, <laughs> when I, whenever I show up to the Hoop Summit, I'm like, uh, you, know, you hear about who these guys are, and but I haven't seen a lot of them yet. And so I, you know, maybe I've read about him a little bit. And you're like, you see him, you're like, okay, that's that guy. That's that guy. You know, mm-hmm. when they just stick out physically and, and someone's like, oh, yeah, there's this awesome center named James Wiseman. Uh, and he, I, he showed up and you're like, oh, yeah, that's him. Like, you can you tell the, the physical characteristics are outstanding for even an NBA center. Yeah, yeah. I think the concerns with him are, like you said, like the, the, the guy he actually reminds me of a lot is Hassan Whiteside, um, where there's a lot of physical tools, but the um, – like it's it's just not there every night. Like you could see in the in the Oregon game that I saw him in, he just wasn't engaged at all the entire game. And um, you know he has offensively he has some things. Uh, I I don't know. Like he has some touch. I could see it developing to where he's he can become like a little bit of a pick and pop guy, even though he hasn't shot it well yet. You watch him shoot like it's projectable. Uh, obviously his size and length he should be able to score some on on lobs but then you get in this whole other debate when you talk about Wiseman which should you be drafting centers at all right and I, I think this was a this was a philosophical thing that we got into uh, my last couple of years with the Grizzlies especially where because you can fill those positions relatively inexpensively if somebody doesn't have really high star potential then you're probably it's probably not worth taking a draft pick on them unless unless there's just unless the value proposition is just absurd at that point in the draft which i I suppose is capable of happening well you guys did take jaron jackson there i think jackson is a little bit different of a player right you weren't necessarily drafting him to be this dominant offensive force he's going to space the floor he could block shots he could move his feet defensively And, and i do think like that wiseman I'm actually more concerned about him offensively than defensively. I think I, I would be surprised as long as he tries if he weren't like pretty darn good defensively. But he kind of, I don't really care for his abilities finishing around the rim when it's not a dunk. You know, he's mm-hmm. extremely left handed. He's not really good at powering up. He doesn't, despite having what looks like an NBA body at this point in time, he wasn't able to really like power up and go through guys and this is against other 18 year olds as well so it's not like you know so yeah he can grow into that he can get stronger you know he's got a little face the basket game like he hit like a step back jumper at one point in the scrimmages Uh, but uh, i'm uh and he could definitely jump he could definitely be a lob threat but i'm just not sure unless he is i don't see him being you know, much more than kind of like an above average offensive center. If you're going to throw it to him in the post, I don't see him being a dominating post-up weapon. I don't see like the great feel. I don't see him being a good enough shooting threat to, to really be just, you know, a Miles Turner, Jaron Jackson type of guy. So to me, then he's got to be that unbelievable defensive player. And so you've, you've got a lot riding on that now. Yeah. Yeah. And again, some of that is just, you know, how people are wired too. I mean, that, the defensive end, that's a lot of what goes into it. And that's, that's where you start hearing questions about Wiseman. So I think it's, you know, we're, we're ripping on the draft and the quality of it. I mean, if he's, if you think he's a legit starting center, then there's, there's a point here where he becomes worth it. Is, is that point at the two, 
three, four spot in the draft. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's not a lot of competition, I guess, is what it comes down to. So, and I do think, and this is something that might come up a little bit too, especially for Golden State. I think in a lot of ways, young bigs can actually contribute earlier than young perimeter players, in particular young wings who really seem to take a long way to develop. Whereas, at least as a rebounder, as a shot blocker, you know, especially if you're playing next to like a Draymond Green or something, if you're Golden State. It, maybe you could say we, we'll bring him in and he, he'll give us some athleticism and transition. And then, you know, if we don't we don't play him at the end of the game in, in his first couple of years, so be it. I don't know. That That's just a maybe one school thought. Um, You're just saying that because yeah. you've seen Jacob Evans and Jordan Poole the last two years. <laughs> well, I, I think like Ethan Strauss wrote a comment on this. I thought it was interesting if you really go back and look at Kawhi or Brandon Ingram this year. Yeah. It, even it, And, you know, it's rare, I think, for – a wing, even like, you know, a Jason Tatum or uh, Jalen Brown, it's weird for wings to come in and really contribute right away. Now, maybe you can say, hey, they can contribute 3 and D early, and then they develop into stars later on. But I don't even see who that guy is in this draft either. So, um, yeah. So this would be more yeah. like maybe he comes in and he gives you like what Jared Allen did right away, and right. then you can build off of that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but but anyway, uh, I want to ask you just who has like impressed you that you haven't heard other guys talking about in this draft. Um. Well, there, there I mean, are obviously who, they talk about everyone, but the, yeah, you're higher yeah. on, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'll start with uh, one guy because uh, I think Tyrese Maxey has gotten a lot of the attention at Kentucky. And I, I like him. I think he's definitely a lottery pick. I think the guy who in the maybe 18 to 25 range, who I think is going to end up providing a lot of value, is uh, Ashton Hagens from Kentucky. Uh, he's a guy who didn't have a great freshman year, has been a lot better as a sophomore, really good defensive player, rebounds well for, for a guard, very active, gets his hands on balls, gets steals, good passer. His weakness is his shooting which has gotten better and I think is still projectable to get better from here. I mean, he's 81% from the line this year. Uh, even last year, he was 76. Uh, 29% career three-point shooter, so that's definitely something that has to work on uh, and can be a little wild on the ball, a little turnover prone. But I think he's a, I think he's a good, productive player. I think he plays really hard. Uh, I think he's somebody that teams will be really happy to have on their team. Um and could come in, be a backup right away with his defense, and then you hope he, you know, he develops offensively to the point that he can be a starter a couple years down the line. Yeah, kind of like a DeAnthony Melton type. Is that sort of your, the uh, the archetype for him? Uh, a little bit. I mean, he's much more of a pure one than Melton, but oh, okay. same kind of idea. Yeah. Um. All right. Who else? Uh, don't hear a lot of people talking about Paul Reed from DePaul. Um, he's another guy who I think is going to be a absolute beast on the defensive end. Uh, more probably offensive questions with him in terms of where he fits in positionally. He's probably like a 3-4, three, 4-3. Four, four, three. Uh, I think he can guard every position on the court. Uh, almost, I don't... Uh, it's so trite now to compare people to Draymond, right? But I, he's... He's really long and could really move his feet on defense. He's really active with his hands, and he knows what he's doing on that end. Um, he's just really good. And he's 
Uh, offensively, he's okay. You know, he's a junior, so he's a little bit older player. Uh, doesn't shoot the ball great. 32% from three for his career, 27 this year. You know, decent foul shooter like with Hagens, you know, 80% this year. Uh, outstanding rebounder, uh, can make plays and dunks around the rim, you know, and transition and stuff, can put it on the floor a little bit. Uh, his offensive game is definitely going to be the question mark here, but I think his defensive potential is really high. And I've seen him projected in like the second round. And I, I mean, in this draft, like, I, I think he should be going way higher than that. I'm just glad that you mentioned DePaul for the first time anyone has ever mentioned DePaul in 15 years as a Chicago guy. Yeah, there were there were no there were little snippets. There was the whole you know there was like Wilson Chandler's draft year, right? Didn't, yeah, that was, <laughs> they had yeah, to get mentioned that, once that, or 2006? twice. 2006, right? That, so that's that's what I had in mind. That's sad as it is to say. Has it that been, was, uh, has 15 it been years that long? Ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, that was I, maybe I can't remember. Maybe he might have been like 2008 or something. But uh, it's been some time, and it's not like they were any good then with him anyway. So uh, no, I mean you have to go back to like the Quentin Richardson, uh, Lance Williams, Bobby Simmons team that they were even remotely wow. relevant. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, give me one more. Uh, Devin Vassell from Florida State, uh, wing player, skinny, skinny, but. He um, didn't play that much last year. It was interesting. I was at um, I was at the Virginia Tech Florida State game last year, and they brought him in off the bench. You know, just freshman checks in, whatever. Um, Nikhil Alexander goes for a pull up jump shot, and this dude spikes it. And I'm like, whoa, who was that guy? <laughs> um, so you know, it's just one of those moments where you're like, well, whoa, okay. You know, you start flipping through your program. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> what's this guy's deal? Um, he's playing as a starter this year now. Um, I would say his defensive tools, again, are really good, even though he's got a skinny body. He's got long arms, moves well. Uh, okay on the ball, not great. Uh, good outside shooter, though. Uh, 40% from three for his career at Florida State. Uh, you know, he can move the ball a little, make decisions. Again, not not like a true on-the-ball player at this point, but pretty good physical tools with his size and his length, and I think his body will fill out. And I, I think he's the type of guy who can be uh, – you know, let's say like a Karis Levert type, when you where you hmm. pick him in that fifteen to twenty five range, and he becomes you know two three years down the line, he can become a starting wing for you. Anyone that you're maybe a little lower on than some people. I mean, I, I realize this isn't the greatest draft, so uh, maybe everyone's low on everyone. Yeah, but, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, right? But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure you read uh, the mock drafts, whether the Athletic or ESPN or, or, or anywhere else. Anyone that you people seem to be relatively high on that you don't necessarily see it for well so we already talked about anthony edwards um yeah you know i saw vernon carey from duke this week and oh yeah i i saw him at the hoop summit i i mean he's uh he's like caleb swanigan 2.0 yeah exactly in terms of his like fit in the nba maybe he's a little more athletic than him but yeah so he has monstrous stats as a freshman um but the thing that troubled me in that game was that georgia tech's james banks kept going over him for rebounds and uh, uh, and, and around the basket and, and getting his hands on balls. Like, Carey would box him out, and it wouldn't matter. Banks would still get the ball. Like, George, Duke got mashed on the offensive boards that game. Um, and, they you know, they were able to win because they had more talent, basically, than Georgia Tech does. But, they you know, and this is like a low-tier ACC team. Like, James Banks is an okay ACC center, you know? And... And uh, so that 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 was troubling to see his 
athleticism get exposed even at that level. Um, you know, in college, they keep him near the rim. He's a, he's a good finisher with his left hand, obviously, and uh, is statistically extremely productive and efficient. Uh, I just don't know how any of that translates to the next level. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, if you're going to just post up, uh, I mean, I didn't, wasn't a believer in his jump shot when I saw him at, at the hoop summit, although he seemed, he seemed to enjoy taking it. But yeah, I mean, bigs who aren't absolutely elite offensively and guys that you can really go to as a force and run your offense through, which I don't think he projects as that. And then, defensively it's hard to see how he's not below average so yeah I mean, exactly. know, can, can he be a backup big for someone and come in and like do a low grade ennis Cantor impression like maybe but you know that's i mean you, I, I don't you need know to draft that in the first but, round yeah 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 uh, uh you know you could say the words isaiah stewart and probably get the same result yeah i think stewart to me i i thought he provides a little bit more in the floor game though where he and I think it, I liked his jumper even slightly more too, and I think he's got a yeah. little more pop. Um, just it moves his feet a little bit better, like plays hard. I, I think that he brought a little bit more uh, just in, in his overall game to me. And again, I'm basing this on a week, so let's not go crazy here. But um, he, he was at the hoop summit also, obviously. Yeah, I, I mean, from watching on TV, um, I think that's I think that's probably true. I think he does definitely have a little more kind of perimeter touch kind of ability to him. So, well, it's going to be really interesting to see where those two guys end up getting drafted because I think, you know, the mocks have had him in the first. I mean, Stewart was really high coming into the year. Now it's cooled off a little. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not sure that's where they go. Uh, okay, another guy I want to talk about because uh, you saw him in the Hoop Summit, uh, Precious Achua. Yeah, you know, he had an awesome week there, and he was playing for the world team. So so you guys got a little bit more of a chance to see him as well. Uh my recollection of him was that he was extremely bad shot mid-range heavy, but they happened to go in that week, mm-hmm. but that his physical tools were pretty much impeccable as far as, you know, a combo forward. Yeah, and I think I think that's I think that's the the question is what what is he going to be at the offensive end? Are his is are his are his offensive instinct cuz he just puts the ball down and shoots it basically. And so are his yeah. are his instincts at that end gonna gonna refine enough he's already an older player for a for a one and done so is the clock's working against him a little bit and you know can can he get to that point where he can be a functional part of the offense when he's not just (laughs) grabbing it and shooting it and i don't know i like i go back and forth on him i i didn't you know i didn't have him like on my hate list, but I didn't have him on my love list either. I think he's a guy who's confused me a little. I think he's been a little all over the place on draft boards. So I think other people are scratching their heads, asking the same kind of questions. And then he's not playing in a great league this year. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves too. And he's actually playing five now with Wiseman out for the year uh, for Memphis. So we'd, I don't know if we're going to learn everything we want to learn about him this year. To me, he's one of these guys where like, he goes to a historically bad organization and you're like, well, that's it for his career. Mm-hmm. And he goes to San Antonio and you're like, yeah, you know what? He's not going to play for a year and a half. And then all of a sudden he's going to like get coached into what he needs to do, figure it out. And they'll harness his athleticism and take all the bad stuff out of his game. And all of a sudden he's like a really, really solid role player. Yeah. I mean, you you know, where these guys end up matters, matters a lot. So Def, definitely, I mean, he could he could be one of them. 
Yeah, or like a Miami or so. These teams that are just have succeeded with guys, you would think, oh, well, the, like this is great raw clay to be molded. But he, I mean, he has a lot of bad habits right now and, and not a ton of feel. And so you, you would have to probably convince him that, hey, you know, these are the things that you do well, do these things. Yeah, um, I mean, if he can at least get his feel to this to a certain point, then he then he you know, then maybe he can at least be Harrison Barnes, you know, like where he's yeah. you know, which is like a useful NBA player, right? All right, let's take a quick break and, and talk about these point guards here. Mm-hmm. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich Thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store so there's this group of guys you can tell me if uh, i'm missing anyone here but nico Mannion, cole anthony and you throw rj hampton into that list, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Halliburton, maybe Ball is a little bit above them. Um, you know, a couple of guys overseas that you could throw into this group uh, as well. Who do you like? Who do you not like out of that point guard group? All, all guys are kind of projected to go in maybe the 4 to 12 range right now. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because you made a really interesting point uh, when we were talking ahead of the show about how there's a lot of teams that project to be picking in that range that don't necessarily need a point guard. So we, we can see some interesting stuff on draft night because of that. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Who do we like first? Who's good? Well, um, this is actually a group of players that I generally kind of like. Uh, but of them, uh, I like Tyrese Halliburton uh, the best. I've, I've seen him the most. I saw a bunch of Iowa State last year. Um, they're not as good this year, but he's really stepped up his role offensively, which was, which was the biggest concern about him a year ago. Uh, good passer, good shooter with his feet set, uh, good athlete, good size for the position, uh, sees the floor really well. Um, biggest concern is just offensively him 
getting into his jump shot, which is a, a push shot with a little bit of a slow windup. Uh, can he shoot that shot off the dribble? Is he going to be uh, effective in like a half-court pick-and-roll game when he has to do that? So I understand those questions, but from a productivity standpoint, and you look at his defense and his other tools uh, and the fact that he keeps getting better, I, I just think he's a guy that you want to bet on. And uh, so I would I would place him other than I'll, I'll separate LaMelo, but I'll put him at the top of this group. Um there's another guy in here that we haven't talked about um, who I think is uh, kind of a sleeper right now. I don't think he's going to be a sleeper if he keeps playing well. But Killian Hayes, uh, the yeah. French point guard who's playing in Europe, um, unlike some of these other European prospects this year, he's playing pretty well in a pretty good league as an 18-year-old. And the guys who are able to do that, the fail rate on them is really low. And so I, th- I think he's a guy you have to take a really hard look at. Um, I saw him actually in Charlotte last year at Basketball Without Borders. He wasn't great there. Um, he's still he's a really good foul shooter, but it hasn't translated to his three-point shot for some reason. And he's not like a super athlete, so he has to do it a little more with, with craftiness. Uh, but he has good size for, for a point guard, and, and he, he's another guy who's continuing to improve, which I think is, is matters. It's important. And so I think he's a guy that teams are going to be studying really hard in the second half of this year. A lot of teams make their trips to Europe in uh, April, May, you know, especially the lottery teams after their seasons are over. I think they're going to be looking at him really closely. So here's my question. Probably don't have time to go through all all these guys here, but are any of these guys? So so here, actually, here's probably the way to do this. Here are the teams. Just going to read the 538 uh, reverse standings for you. And we'll see who who needs a point guard of mm-hmm. these teams in theory. Knicks definitely, Hawks mm-hmm. no, Cavs just took two point guards in a row. Yeah, Warriors in theory probably not. Hornets, I mean, probably their two best players are point guards, but they yep. you could say maybe they'd need another one. That's maybe the, that's they kind of need everything. Right. They could trade Rozier too. Sure. You know? Um, Pistons yes, mm-hmm. Wizards. Uh, probably. I mean, who knows where they're thinking of John Wall. I mean, they're, he, he will be on the team probably for, for a yeah, while. Yeah, he'll be on the team for a while, but I yeah. I think if the best player available was a point guard, they would take a point guard. Yeah. Bulls just took a point guard in the lottery last year uh, in uh, Kobe White. Spurs got two on, on the team already, and not, now you're getting into, you know, Suns, maybe Wood, Kings, have Deer and Fox, Grizzlies aren't going to need anyone. Wolves, yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe four of these teams you could say need a point guard, and then maybe there's like three more that have people they've drafted but maybe wouldn't be in love with them. So question number one is, do you think any of these guys are, you know, if you're the Cavs or the Hornets, are you would you draft another point guard over the top of these guys that you already have based on how good these guys are? Are you going to try and move the pick if – you know, those are the because it seems like you've got this run where most of the players available are point guards. Yeah, it's this is one of the really hard questions you have to deal with as a franchise because you don't want to eat your young, but you do want to make sure in the draft that you do get the best player available. And sometimes that involves drafting the same position as another player that's already on your team. Uh, Cleveland has enough invested in Sexton and Garland that boy to take a take a third one. I th- I think that would be. That would be really unlikely. I think yeah, it's a little easy. You, you could sell them on the, oh, these guys can play together when there's two of them. <laughs> when yeah. there's three, it's like, 
Uh, well, one of you guys is uh, is going to be the odd man out. I don't mind that approach personally, just because you know, look, the draft picks don't work out a lot of the times, and and I don't think either of those guys have been like, oh, this is a, this is a few our future long term start at the position for sure. Have shown enough yet? We'll see by the end of the year, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And the the um, I I still think though with with Cleveland, the odds are you're looking at a combined probability that at least one of them becomes that guy, which I still think is probably pretty decent. So yeah. I I think they're I think they're probably going a different direction. I think for Charlotte, it's easier. Rozier is a veteran. There's two years left on his deal. He's probably tradable even right now. Um, you know, Devontae Graham, as good as he's been, might might even be better off the ball and will be a restricted free agent a year from now. I just I just think there's more more questions in the future, I guess, for Charlotte. And they have more of a talent need immediately where I think that's I think that's a direction they'd have to look at. If that was the best player on their board, I think they should I think that's what they should do. Yeah, and I think I think we might see some trading action in that area too, depending on how the lottery shakes out. You know, if the Wolves have the 13th pick and they really need a point guard and they like someone who's available at five, maybe if you're the Cavaliers or the Hornets, you're okay going back to 13 and and picking up maybe another pick later or something like that, because uh, there are teams you know even maybe who are you know if you're say the Magic. For example, right? You know, maybe you move up from fifteen or fifteen or sixteen to nine and try to get your point guard of the future. Maybe the those type of oh, transactions yeah. we might see. Yeah, yeah. I think Phoenix. I think we get. To, yeah, yeah. I think I think I think this is probably a good draft for that because because it is so heavy at one position in in right in that range. At least that's how it appears right now. We'll see how this board shakes out. You know, as the year goes on. Yeah, or maybe you say, "Hey, these guys aren't going to take a point guard. We'll just wait around here and we'll <laughs> hope that the guy we want." That's to us. you know, that's that's one of the things that uh, we always talked about is is you know, if you let the draft come to you, usually usually something good will will land there. Sometimes you don't necessarily have to have to burn your assets trading up just just to get it. But there are other times where it's de- where it's definitely worthwhile where you see a big a big drop off, and that's. That's where uh, you know internally on the team side. I mean, we do mock drafts. We'll we'll sit around and have a different person be a different team. You know, or like we'll give you you know I'll take three teams and some other guy will take three yeah. teams and we'll sit around and kind of mock it out just to kind of get a feel for what might happen. Yeah, like do, does the guy who plays certain team does he like just have a couple of shots beforehand, <laughs> just just to realistically simulate things. <laughs> We never, we never actually had the liquor on hand. We, we, we. It would be simulated drunkenness. Yeah. Uh, all right. We got to uh, rule some more out of the playoffs here. I still got uh, hollow journeys to get to, but let's make sure we don't forget about this this time. Last week, you ruled out the Detroit Pistons. Yes. Uh, as, as your seventh team, I'm a dispense with the suspense. And I'm going to rule out the Detroit Pistons as well. Blake Griffin had his season-ending surgery, and they just seem to be moving in a, a different direction at this point. Uh, I It was a struggle for me. There are some other teams uh, that I was thinking very seriously about uh, that shall remain nameless uh, for now. But in the absence of... Uh, and so the only difference you and I have so far is I ruled out Charlotte back on December 29th. You've yet to rule them out. Are you going to go there or... Uh, are you going to go 
with another team to rule out of the playoffs. Uh, before I announce my team, I should mention that our uh, our our elimination uh, concept is already in peril. As oh, the, the sphincters are tightening. As the Grizzlies uh, are currently sit eighth in the West, uh, they are their schedule will get significantly harder uh, at the end of the month. Uh, Five thirty-eight projects them with an eight percent chance of actually making the postseason. But you know, it's uh, we uh, we we might have jumped the gun a little early on them. We've they're, they've been looking pretty good lately. We'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, to- well, one fifteen offensive rating over the last month. Yeah, which is. Which is crazy. I mean, I saw them in person hang 140 on the on the Clippers in a road game, and uh, yeah. they're just. Uh, they, I mean, they're shooting the ball well, and and they've really they've really uh, gotten the the chemistry between John Morant and Jaron Jackson on that pick and pop is is much tighter than it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, surely you would think they would cool off at some point, but. You know, it doesn't it doesn't take a whole lot of winning to get you in the postseason in the West, though. So, uh, you know, they, they don't have to play that well to get in. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. They're playing really well right now, too, compared to early in the year. I mean, I know their overall season-long numbers are not great, but, I mean, they, they've, like, had some unstoppable-looking games. I mean, against the Spurs the other night, too, they just completely waxed them. Yeah, so that'll be a little embarrassing. Uh, if they do make it, let the record show that I was – Ruled the picked them third, and you picked them fifth. So yes. you, you have a slight, slight advantage there. Uh, although that might have been, I think that was during the, the the week that we each picked three teams in a row. So I think we actually picked them on the same date to be out. But uh, is that right? Yeah. Huh. I you uh, you might be right. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Right. Well, let's let's see if I do better here. Uh, I am going to knock out the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, it's it's been a good run. You've been awesome in close games, and you're 15 and 26. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and say they're they're the team that I will eliminate. And I yeah I just don't see even with Brooklyn struggling, I just don't see it happen. I don't see them catching those guys. So they're they're yeah. they're my pick today. And uh, Kyrie is back and playing as we as we record this. All right, another quick break, and uh, I'll ask John uh, another question about his time with the Grizz. So this is a question that I've had for a long time, and you always hear, oh, NBA teams don't practice. Practice doesn't matter. Once they get into the season, it's the games that count. They're just walking through stuff. So what I wanted to ask about is for guys who aren't necessarily – you know, one of your top five, top seven players who aren't getting 20 minutes a night. How do they approach practice? How does the team approach practice for them? How much are you evaluating what they're doing in practice as far as your own internal evaluation of that player? I think you have to evaluate what they're doing in practice because that's the, that's the, those are the data points you're being given. You, you don't have a whole lot else to work with if they're not playing in the games. And but you can learn a lot from watching them, uh, even in the five-on-five, five, you know, scrimmages. You know, when you when your real players are are mixed in, which is only some practices during the course of the year. Uh, but even even when they play, uh, what they call small-sided games, like three-on-three three or whatever, uh, you watch them then and and you evaluate. And you know, it helps that we have the G League now, so we can at least see more game action for most of these guys. But it's it's interesting. I mean, it does 
I think I think it's actually for the other players too when they play against these guys in practice. Sometimes they'll get an impression too. Like we we knew we had something with Jamichael Green. I'll use him as an example almost right away because we he came in and then we had our first couple practices right out of the All Star break. And he was flying all over the place. And even the players were like, hey, uh, like this guy has a chance. Like this guy's pretty good. And so uh, you, you, you definitely use that information. And th- then also there, there are different times where we uh, take data from all the practice too and use that uh, as, as an evaluation tool. Now that happens more probably in training camp, but you're able to use that information and distill it and kind of get an idea of who's performing and who is not. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, though, because obviously for the players who are playing 30 minutes a night, they, they practice at one speed, and the guys who are trying yeah. to establish themselves practice at a at a different speed because they, they have to. And so there is some triangulation with that where you, where you understand that, okay, like – Mike Conley isn't going to be driving in the paint much during practice because he's just taking unnecessary hits that he doesn't need to. So uh, that that's not a reflection of him as a player. That's a smart strategy, right? So yeah. you 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 understand that with those players, and for that reason, you don't watch them in practice as much as you watch these second line guys. Um, you know, when you when you're working in the front office, because those those are the ones you're really trying to evaluate, and a lot of times you have. Um, quicker evaluation deadlines with those guys too, whether they're on a 10 day or a partial guarantee or one year deal or whatever. Um, so there you're, you're, you're trying to really use that time to help that evaluation along. And then the other thing is that practice has to be different for those players because they need to get more work in to offset the fact that they're not playing in the games, like just from a conditioning level and, and sure. from a, um, from a main, maintaining their their skill and their touch, so you're you're running them through through more things. Whether it's like those three on three games after everyone else is done, or uh, putting them through more in different drills, or or grabbing them. Sometimes they do their work before practice, actually, with the development coaches. And, you know, every team does it a little differently, but uh, it's it it does matter quite a bit for these guys, and it matters from the team side. It is something that's that's always been at least in my time in the Grizzlies, was important as as an evaluation tool to understand what is happening with these guys. You mentioned that that Conley thing, and and you know I, I always think of like the QB wearing the red jersey in football practices too. In sixteen seventeen, Dwayne Wade joined the Bulls, and I think about halfway through the year, there are some quotes like that the young players like really wanted him to practice more, contribute more in practice to like help them get better, help the team get better. You know, he obviously was a vet at that time was trying to preserve his knees. What was your reaction when you heard those stories? You know, I was, I actually, I don't know if that registered with me at all because oh, yeah. we, we were so locked into what we were doing. Yeah, Cause that was just um, some bullshit media stuff that only, only I would be paying attention to. <laughs> well, it, it, not even that we just, we yeah. just didn't care about the bulls. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, you know, okay. that's yeah. Well, well what's, side. what's your reaction here in that? As I tell you now, do you think like, yeah, is, I, is that see, important or is it just like, eh, for, like just get them ready for the game. Quit complaining. I think it does help to have those guys out there practicing with you, even though, even if they're not going super hard. Uh, getting a getting a when you're going through the plays and everything, getting a familiarity with them, I do, I do think that helps. 
Um, there are some players who are now. I don't know exactly what context this comment was made in. Was it, was it that they wanted him on the court? Was that they wanted him? Yeah, I can't remember. More active, was. like pulling guys aside and making little pointers. No, and stuff I mean I think because, it was more actually like being there in practice and competing. Is my recollection? Yeah, that's um, that's interesting because it got uh, you know it's it it is harder when a player can't practice and can only play in the games. I, I don't think there's any question. Yeah. Especially when it's not just one or two practices, when it's an ongoing thing for for a big chunk of the year, that that gets that gets a little difficult because you're putting in new plays and stuff, and you can't run them through, and you know what I mean. It just just creates a little a little more of a uh, friction, I guess, between and, yeah. and not friction between players. I'm just saying friction in terms of uh, having your team be kind of a well oiled machine, and so I I get that, I I, I understand that, and it's. It's tricky though because when a lot of times, like when you get older players like that, you you just don't want to burn the candle on on practice minutes. Yeah, yeah, or or have him miss two weeks because his knees get sore or something like that. Young players, and I, I remember even at, at one point. Granted, uh, this will shock you, but I was not one of the best players on, on my high school team. Uh, but when I went into practice, I was thought of like, okay, I should be getting better. I should be adding skills. Like when else am I going to try these skills out except in practice? But I was also like, well, I don't want to try anything new because I'm getting evaluated and there's no way I'm going to like break into more playing time if I'm trying anything new that I'm not already good at. So do you, I would imagine that that's something that young players kind of deal with as well. If like, Hey, you know, I've really been working on my three point shot or something. Like I want to take this in practice, but if I, like do this and I'm not good at like coach is going to be like, Oh, this guy's going to make bad decisions. He won't play. Or the coach is going to blow his whistle right away and say, don't take that shot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if the coach is like, okay, I don't want you taking that. It's another thing if it's like, okay, you know, I've been working on like this dribble move. I'm going to try and like go behind the back and maybe I lose it or something like that. You know, that's a a little different, but yeah. You know, that's an interesting perspective because I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, the, um, it is. It is sort of at, at any level. Practice is sort of set up to to kind of crush people who try that stuff if yeah. they're not if they're not one of the starters, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's like once you've established a role, then there's more tolerance for that stuff. So I mean, maybe that's the thought, right? It's like you just do the things that you're really good at. That'll get you the role, and then maybe you can try to explore the studio space once you've gotten to that point. Yeah, it's uh, you know, breaking into playing time is one of the hardest things for a young player. It's such a conundrum. It's something none of these guys has ever faced in their career before, basically, with maybe a couple of exceptions. Um, and it's it's such it's such a challenge to because you're not gonna you're not gonna give game minutes to somebody who doesn't deserve them and right. sabotage your you know <laughs> the rest of your team. But at the same time. Like giving these guys the ability to break to break into that is is so important. It's one of the real challenges of player development. I think is how, how do you get these guys to the point of of getting those game minutes, and what do you do with them before they're at that point? When a player, I'm sure you probably had this happen at some point. Either a player or maybe more often his agent would come to you guys and say, "Hey, like you know, why am I not playing? I'm better than this guy. I should be playing." What would you tell him? You know. Typically, they would go to the coach, though, 
Yeah. They, they wouldn't really come to us. Occasionally, an agent would come to us and say, well, look, he's not playing much. You need to move him someplace else. And we'd be like, yeah, there's actually no trade value for this guy. So that's not going to happen. Uh, so, I mean, that, 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 I've, I've had that conversation multiple times. It's like, look, really? Like, what, what, what do you think is going to happen here? Um, so, but the where were we here i'm sorry oh yeah on the on the when guys aren't aren't play, they they talk to the coach typically because they they just don't they just have they're interacting with the coaching staff every single day and yeah. they don't see us as often yeah so i mean would there would the coaches like tell you about that and like how they would try to manage yeah i mean yeah i mean it would it would get back to us and you know. yeah but that's you know that's life. I mean, they, it's, uh, it's every basketball team has ever existed. Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. Every sports team, for that matter. Yeah, no, that's uh, that makes sense. All right. Uh, well, what'd you write about for the athletic this week before we go? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I wrote about the quarterbacks actually, in keeping with the the NFL divisional playoff theme. Um, <laughs> the thirty players who. Uh, for each team are kind of the guy where they are the focal point of the offense and are making a lot of the decisions. And I, I wrote about it and I, I focused on this kind of quarterback term because so many more teams are, are becoming more uh, what our Seth Partnow called heliocentric on offense where one player is doing a lot of the scoring and distributing. And a lot of times that player is not nominally a point guard. It's a six eight wing on a lot of these teams or uh, some of them even a four or a five you know you look at pascal siakam in toronto or nikola Jokic in denver and uh, i i just wanted to take a look at these teams and their quarterbacks because i think it when you look at it from that perspective it tells you so much about those teams and and how they're built and how they're set up uh to succeed or not succeed at the offensive end um so and i ended up uh, ranking them all one through 30 and uh it's all uh it's all there on the athletic all right well thanks for listening let's uh let's get out of here john we'll uh and uh looking forward to talking next week of course yeah thanks everybody and uh you can make sure you download us and subscribe on uh itunes or spotify or wherever you get your uh your podcasts and we'll be back at this again a week from now and eliminate another team from the playoffs At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.